Today's scripture reading comes from John 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten your belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said to this, to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Well, we have been in this sermon series, Leadership Highlighted, for the past four weeks, and we've been looking at different uh, and various leadership styles throughout the biblical narrative and biblical witness. And as Christians, we have this odd paradoxical calling to be both a leader and a Oh, you guys are paying attention. This is great. Amen. Uh, for those of you who are online, write it in the chat as we go along this day. Following Christ means that we are following Christ and yet leading others to do the same. If you remember way back to four weeks ago, we began with the four C's of Christian leadership. Christ-centered and we are committed, courageous, Consistent. Boom. We are getting it. And then we heard the example that Pastor Donovan lifted up about Joshua and how Joshua led the Israelites uh, to, through a pretty uh, significant time in the Israelite history. And Pastor Donovan lifted up that Christian leaders are those who hear from God, those who are spiritually led and spiritually lead. And the big one, that Christian leaders lead even when the mission is not their own. Christian leaders lead even when the mission is not their own. Christian leaders, as we came to find out last week in the example that Pastor Emily lifted up through Mary, the mother of Jesus, is that Christian leaders recognize that God is more than the circumstance that they find themselves in. And they trust God more than that circumstance. And the last thing that Pastor Emily lifted up is that Christian leaders do not lead alone. And we are in a community of faith. And that is good news. Amen? Amen. Today, uh, we look at Peter, the disciple of Jesus, and how he is uh, maybe an uncharacteristic leader. And this morning, I'm going to give you three F's. So on your piece of paper, write it down. F, F, F. And uh, I hope you get an A on this exam. Uh, but nonetheless. Uh, but will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks uh, that you meet us wherever we are in whatever situation. We give you thanks for your presence in our midst right now. We pray that uh, the words of all of our mouths and the 
meditations of all of our hearts might be pleasing and acceptable to your side as we grow deeper in relationship with you and greet deeper in our discipleship in following you. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And together all of God's people said, Amen. So as Christians, we are both leaders and perfect. And we each have this own unique giftedness that God has given us. All unique talents, all unique abilities, all unique gifts that lead us to lead and lead well. God has given to us everything we need with these gifts and these talents and these abilities, all for the kingdom work that we have been called to. However, leadership and Christian leadership looks differently for everybody, right? We have Christ-centered. That is what unifies us. But we might trust a little bit more or less than the other person. We might have a little bit more or less patience. We might have a little bit more or less commitment and listening skills and courage that we can conjure up more or less than others. Yet each of us have these inherent traits within ourselves, but we don't exhibit them all the same. But the church needs a variety of gifts in order to live out what Christ is calling us to do and to be. We each need to exhibit these traits as Christian leaders. And the church needs a variety of implementations of leadership. So we need different theological viewpoints. We need different levels of commitment. We need differing levels of trust and perspectives on things. All in order for us to be made whole, individually and communally, corporately and collectively as the body of Christ. We need each other. Amen? We need each other. Amen? This morning, in keeping with that alliterative naming of things in my vocabulary. I, like I said, I'm going to give you three F's and they are part and parcel of the gospel of John 21 that we heard this morning. And the first F is that Christian leaders are flawed. What was that? Flawed. Christian leaders are flawed. That is the first F. And I'm just going to throw it out hot to you this morning. Christian leaders are flawed. We are flawed. Are you flawed? Come on, we are in church, friends. We might and we ought to strive for perfection in all things, but we are flawed. We are human. And the only way that we can achieve perfection is by the grace of God. Amen. And here's the good news is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit and God as the triune God is in the business of using flawed people for God's kingdom. And that's greater news. Amen. Because frankly... That's all God has to work with, right? We are flawed. We need to acknowledge that. And the sooner we acknowledge that, the sooner we can move forward. But here's the other side of it. God uses flawed people. We are flawed. But God uses faithful people. That's the second F, all right? God uses flawed people, yet faithful people, to build the kingdom and to change the world. We are flawed, yet God only uses flawed people to complete the mission and the vision to change the world. Amen? 
This morning we're going to look at a a leader in the ragtag group of disciples known as Peter. And he's one of the most talked about, one of the most mentioned, highly mentioned in all of the New Testament. He's mentioned over 150 times in the New Testament alone, and 93 of those times is in the four Gospels. The story of Peter is mentioned in different vantage points and different perspectives all throughout the Gospels. And they give a different story and a different take on who Peter was and who Christ was calling him to be. And in this snapshot of sorts from John chapter 21, we get this story about this conversation that Jesus and Peter had about Peter's love and his devotion and his faithfulness towards Jesus. And how Christ was calling him to go deeper. It's a climactic marking in Peter's life. And only a fort, only a couple days previous to that, it was the first Easter. Trauma and noise and tragedy were still deafening their ears in the days since that crucifixion of Christ. Jesus' crucifixion and his arrest and his trial and his burial had become too much for the disciples and they were overloaded and they were emotionally drained. And Jesus, the Messiah, their leader, had been killed and tried by one of his own, betrayed by one of his own. And yet... The news came out and it became overwhelming for them. So they retreated to go back to something normal. And then the news came out about the resurrection and the empty tomb. And it became even more overwhelming and overloaded for them. And so they retreated even more, going back to something that they were familiar with, something that they knew. And so they went back to fishing. What do we do when we are overloaded and emotionally drained? We might go back to something familiar, right? The disciples and Peter went back to fishing. For Peter, this is where it all started, where it all began for him. Where he was fishing on the Sea of Galilee with his brother Andrew. And Jesus on the shoreline said, Peter, actually Simon at that point, Simon and Andrew, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of... Ooh, you're paying attention? This is great. I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. Not just fishers or fishers of fish, right? So Peter went to where it all began, something familiar. And that's how we respond. We go back to that former life, something familiar for us to get away from it all when we are overloaded and overwhelmed. And for Peter, he had been living with this guilt and this shame and his sin and his regret and his remorse. And Jesus, on the night of his arrest, even before he was arrested, Jesus told to Peter and the other disciples as they're celebrating the Passover, celebrating the Last Supper. And Jesus is giving them this new commandment that they are to love one another as Christ loves them. But Jesus gives some startling and some shocking news. He says, I will be with you only a little while longer. Where I am going, you cannot come, Jesus says. And Peter, in his normal inquisitive nature, he says, Lord, I want to go. Where are you going? I want to go with you. Please let me come. Sounds like a little kid on Christmas. Please, please, please let me open the presents early. Please, Lord, I want to come with you. Why can't I come? And Jesus says to Peter, where he is going, he cannot follow, but soon he will be able to follow. But Peter keeps pushing and he says, Lord, I have followed you for three years. Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. Why can't I come? Come on. And then Jesus hits Peter with a foretelling of what Peter is about to do. Denying Jesus three times before the cock crows. 
And as the night began to unfold, the prophecy that Jesus said to Peter begins to be fulfilled. As the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 says, Peter denied Jesus for a first time and a second time and a third time. And at that third time, the cock crowed. And Jesus and Peter remembered all and everything that Jesus had said to him. And he went out and he wept bitterly. He went out to go and mourn what was going on in his life, mourn his sin. And Peter leaves the story. He's not there as part of the trial. He's not there as part of the arrest, according to some gospel writers. He's not there anymore. He leaves after this point to go and to mourn what has happened, how he has had this prophecy come into realization. And Peter is away. And if we're honest, we're too like that as well throughout our lives and our journeys with Jesus. We've all denied in some shape or fashion or form, denied knowing Christ and denied being a follower of Christ in things that we've said and things that we haven't said and things that we've done and things that we haven't done. There are times in our lives when we've all denied Christ and Peter becomes aware that he denied Christ. Three times that this prophecy had been fulfilled and Peter goes away to mourn for three days. We need to be more like Peter. Get away, remove ourselves, distance ourselves from a situation in order to think about what we've done in a sense. To contemplate and to mourn. My friends, listen, I am all for going from our situation and accepting the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. But too often do we get there too fast. We need to take time to mourn and to contemplate and to think about how we have sinned in order to not do that and do that again. It's been shared with me that when you become a parent, you realize the fullness of the relationship between God and God's people. Moreover, you begin to recognize the love and the patience and the mercy and the forgiveness of God that God has for each of us. When children run the other way, it's almost like Jonah in going to Tarshish rather than Nineveh, right? Or what about when uh, you tell your child to not do something a hundred million times and yet what do they do? They do it, right? Oh, come on. God, give me more patience, right? So last weekend, my son Xavier has been going through this somewhat stage of rebellion. And he's in the room this morning. I'm, I'll look at him in a little bit. But after all, he's going to be five in a couple of days. And when he was born, the nurse, the delivery nurse, said he is going to be a firecracker. Whew, because after all, he was born on the 4th of July. Xavier, I want to tell you, you have lived up to that, okay? And he has lived up to that. He is a firecracker. And last weekend, Alicia, my wife, was away. And Xavier and I and Naomi, our daughter, were eating dinner. And Xavier was tipping up his glass of milk, okay? And you might think, well, that's normal, right? That's how you drink milk, out of a glass. Just tip it up. But no, friends, this lid, this cup had a lid and a straw on it. And he began to tip it up more and more and more. And I cautioned him. I said, hey, man, the milk is going to come out of that cup. And following my response and my caution to that, he put it back down on the table. And he leaned over to me and he said, I can do what I want when I want. 
Xavier, I love you. I just want you to know. And I heard the words of my dad come out of my mouth. <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> but then he did it again. He began tilting the cup higher and higher and higher, and now it was perpendicular with the floor, right? And milk started to come out of that little gap between the straw and the lid. And then he squeezed a little bit. And all of the milk on his face and on the floor heard words of my dad come out again. Are you kidding me? I did. I raised my voice. I got to be honest with you. We're in church, right? I raised my voice. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? So I got some towels. I wiped off his face and took off his shirt because it was saturated in milk. And I sent him in the living room. And then I cleaned it up. And I know parenting skills and parenting wise, you probably should have let your child or whatever clean up that mess for you. But I decided to do it on my own. And for the rest of the day, I was really short with him. Can I go ride my bike? No. Can I go watch TV? No. Can I do blah, 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 blah? No. I was just really short with him. And then a couple hours later, he came to me and he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I spilled the milk, even when you told me not to tilt it. Mm. Are you kidding me? For the next day, and honestly, for the next week, which it was last weekend, I've been contemplating that situation over and over and over again. And I realized and I recognized that there really is no use getting upset over spilled milk. Literally, okay? That wasn't a joke, and it wasn't a pun. Uh, literally, crying over spilled milk. But I also thought about the millions of ways that I could have handled that situation differently. When we take time to recognize the situation and contemplate the situation that we have been in, and take time to mourn and grieve those instances, and then seek the forgiveness, it helps us to not perpetuate those instances, those sins again. And here in John chapter 21, Peter finally understands that Jesus is all that he needs. And so he gets out of the boat. He leaves the nets behind. He went to Jesus. And Peter has been marred by this guilt, by this shame, by his sin. But he doesn't allow that sin and that shame and that guilt to distort him anymore. And he runs to Jesus. Even in our faults, even in our failures, and yet even in our faithfulness, we can become blinded and shut down. But the risen Savior, the risen Christ, liberates us and frees us from everything that we find in our life to be shameful and broken. And Jesus still calls us to follow him. From God's call on and in our lives, we are broken free from shame and from guilt, our faults and our falls and our failures, and we become free to leap for joy as Peter does, towards healing and towards wholeness. And so now, in a way of reinstating Peter and recalling him yet again, again, I told you that Peter goes back to where he was first called and he goes fishing with the other disciples. Peter is questioned by Jesus Three times. Do you love me? And Peter affirms his affection and his commitment. And Jesus doesn't offer him a word of condemnation or a word of guilt or a word of recrimination. But Jesus offers him again and again a word, an expression of conveying, of conveying grace and love. Feed my lambs. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. Each time it's a word of compassion, a word of love, a word of grace. And oh yeah, here's this mission that you need to be about. 
That's how Jesus responded to Simon Peter again and again, not with his denial, not perpetuating his fear and his abandonment, but he says, here, this is the task, this is the mission that I have for you, and oh yeah, do this while you're following me. Jesus doesn't let us walk away from the resurrection or him and dare us to shrug our shoulders and go back to the everyday routine. The risen Christ appears to us again and again and calls us to follow him. We are all here this day under that invitation to follow me. Jesus says again and again, even in our faults, even in our failures, follow me. And the good news of the gospel is this, is that it's not a past action, but it's a foreshadowing, a foretelling of what is to come. It's one that calls us to look into the future and look at the promises of God again and again. And though those promises might awaken in us this darkness of those faults and those failures, but God is in the business of redeeming those faults and those failures. Jesus meets us wherever we might be and feeds us and calls us and empower us, even us, to the mission that God has for us, even the doubters and even the deniers. My friends, let me tell you again, Christian leaders are flawed. We're all flawed. And God desires us to be faithful. And I know you've been waiting on the edge of your seat. Oh, when is he going to give us the third one? Come on, I want to put my pen away. I'm already thinking about lunch. We're flawed, right? God is in the business of using flawed but faithful people. And in our faithfulness, we can be fruitful for the kingdom. After the reinstatement of Peter to be the rock of the church, as contained here in John 21, Peter becomes thoroughly convinced after his encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he becomes very bold and courageous. And before the winds of Pentecost blew in the book of Acts, and you can read that again, Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's speaking to the crowds and boom, he's given this sermon. It's a great sermon. We're doing it again today, friends. And the winds of Pentecost blew. And then again, after those winds of Pentecost, Peter delivered another sermon, and it leads to the first altar call where thousands of people came to know Jesus. It was Peter who delivered a man and helped to redeem and heal a man who was crippled in Acts 3. Peter went on to become one of the leaders of the Jerusalem Council, the first church in Jerusalem. Peter was redeemed and reinstated as the rock of the church, even though he was full of fault, even though he was full of failure. Think back when you feel like you aren't the follower of Jesus that you want to be or need to be. Think back to Peter's story. Even when you are disappointed by the results of your labor in ministry, think back to Peter. And even when you face your own failure, think back to Peter. In this story, we have the risen Christ meeting us where we are. It's not a past gift or a previous gift, but it is one that continues in abundant generosity. Jesus keeps showing up again and again saying, follow me. And as followers of Christ, we come at that invitation and we come to be sustained and to be in the midst of Christ. And we come to be fed. And that's why we're here today. We come to seek substance and sustenance at the banquet table of the Lord. 
It's not about our lives, but it's about what God is doing in, with, and through our lives. My friends, we, like Peter, are flawed, but we must be faithful. Because that is what Christ is calling us to do and to be. And even when we are faithful, and even in our flawedness, we can bear fruit. The fruit that will last and the fruit that Christ is calling us to be about. Amen? God wants us to be faithful in the midst of it all so that we can be fruitful for the kingdom.